1: hello and welcome back to podcast royal we are so glad you are joining us i am jessica here with my co-host rachel and hey rachel how are you i'm good how are you good um we're recording episode eight today can you believe we're already on number eight
0: no i can't i i can't believe that in two weeks we'll be on double-digit numbers. That's crazy. Um, So how was your week? Anything new? Yeah, actually, there's some pretty big news that happened to both of us. So we want to, at the top of the episode, say a sincere and heartfelt thank you, thank you, thank you to the Evening Standard for naming podcast Royal One of its 10 Royal Podcasts to Satisfy Your Regal Cravings. Seriously, this is such an honor. So I backstory on when I found out I happened to be googling my name which makes me sound very vain but I was looking for a story I'd written and that's the easiest way to do it is to google my name and just click on the news tab on google and an article came up from the evening standard and I was confused because I've never written for them before so I called Jessica absolutely freaking out like I don't even know how to do I couldn't even get words out so what was your reaction when I called you and told
1: you this well I was super surprised and I wasn't sure where you were going with it because (laughs) I was I was painting a basement bathroom not checking google and I had no idea so it was a fun surprise yeah I mean just such an honor and
0: we're on the list with heavy hitters like royally obsessed pod save the queen AirPod shows we've been listening to for years and we're even on there with r Audio. So big congratulations to the other nine podcasts on the list. Again, thank you, Evening Standard. More to come. I mean, as Jessica just said, we are only on episode eight. So there is so much more that we're going to do and interviews that we're going to have with guests on the podcast and just so much more good content. So I we're just honored. So I... I, I I wish that we could have somehow recorded that Facetime call because it was jubilation, is what that was. So.
1: <laughs> yes, we definitely, definitely think the Evening Standard and all of our lovely listeners. Yes, thank you, please, listeners. Please reach out if you have ideas or content that you want to hear, or any recommendations for us. We are always happy um, to to accommodate those requests. So. So we thought we would switch it up for you guys today and start things off with our lifestyle segment, um, which we normally do at the end, uh, but we'll do that first and then we'll go into the Royal Rundown of the Week, which is a segment on all of the latest royal news. Lastly, Rachel has some fun facts for you all, which will tie in nicely with today's lifestyle segment. So if you listen to our episode on the Duchess of Cambridge... You may remember Rachel mentioned that I share a birthday month with Kate along with another royal we will get into later on. So in honor of my birthday coming up on Friday, this week um, I wanted to uh, talk about some fun ways royally inspired women can take ideas from how the royals celebrate their birthdays and incorporate those tips into our own special day. And I thought it was fitting we are doing this content at the start of the year, because most people haven't had their 2021 birthday yet, so you can start preparing now. So let's go ahead and jump in. I have about seven tips that I want to share, and we will start this segment off with party decor. As you all likely know, if you follow the Royals, and especially the Duchess of Cambridge, the Middleton family owns a not so small family business called Party Pieces. Given that they specialize in party supplies, I have to imagine the Middletons know how to throw quite the special event. For a little history on party pieces, it was founded in 1987 by Carol Middleton, Kate's mother, after she became frustrated with not being able to find adequate party supplies when shopping on High Street for special family parties. Rather than settling for less than perfect decorations or quaint homemade decor, Carol took matters into her own hands and became inspired to start party pieces so people could have a place to go find exactly what they envisioned for their special events. She took off to a wholesale fair in Birmingham to locate suppliers, got her inventory together, and started the business out of her garden shed. That worked for a couple of years while she was establishing herself, but in 1989, the shed was running out of room. She moved operations to Hungerford in order to accommodate the growth of her business. Fast forward to 1993, and she had outgrown her space there. So she took on renovating a group of dilapidated barns and sheds in Yadenden, turning them to an official Party Pieces headquarters. The business has continued to do very well since then. And by very well, I mean incredibly profitable. Today, it's worth an estimated $40 million. Wow. Yeah. So when we talk about the uh, Middletons not being royal, (laughs) that doesn't mean that they're
0: (laughs) They are not commoners. Anybody with $40 million is not a
1: commoner. (laughs) Right. So in 2019, they revamped the website, which I imagine to improve the shopping experience for online customers because that's been a really big thing in recent years. Um, And this was a smart move for Party Pieces because they process thousands of orders every week. On the site, Carol says, party pieces began as a way to make it easier to celebrate these special events with friends and family, and it's something we've never lost focus of. They offer event decor, tableware, accessories, all to help you plan the perfect party. You can find themed products for kids' parties, elegant decor items for weddings, um, and I noticed a special event for adult milestone birthdays and bridal showers on the site, which I thought was really fun. Um, they mentioned their team's also available to help you find the right items if you need help shopping. So my takeaway from this is that Kate and her family know how to throw a good party. I am sure one day George, Charlotte, and Louie will appreciate the benefits of being in the royal family, but right now I kind of feel like they appreciate the benefits of being Carol Middleton's grandchildren. So if you want to take some inspiration from this i recommend looking at party sites to get ideas for your next celebration and make it special with some fun party decor that could be giant number balloons faux garland for your tabletop a shimmering table runner a fun photo backdrop i mean the options are endless now if you're in the us and you're looking for a more local supplier try a site like oriental trading they have an abundance of party supplies and accessories um, you can also Google local small shops in your area. So here in Birmingham, Alabama, in the U.S., we have a little store store near my house called Swoozies. Uh, they sell specialty, sort of high-end party accessories, and it reminds me a lot of party pieces. Rachel, have you been to Swoozies? I have, and I love Swoozies. It's such a fun store. Yes, I could spend all my money at Swoozies. <laughs> yeah, for sure. You have to go in there with a budget to stick to. Absolutely. Do you like planning parties?
0: I do, but I can't right now, you know, because of the pandemic, but I look forward. My parties are never big, lavish affairs, but I love planning like a small get together, a small Mm -hmm. dinner, and I keep it more intimate. And Swoozie's is such a great place. We're just getting all the promo for Swoozie's here in Birmingham, Alabama, but um, you know, whether you live in Birmingham, most of you don't, there is likely
1: a store like this wherever you live, so. Yes, definitely. And I think they do have more locations than just Birmingham, but they may just be around the South. Yeah. So my next recommendation for our listeners um, is to take the day off work on your birthday, if you can, of course. Um, royal family members typically get the day off on their birthdays without any scheduled engagements or formal appearances. There have been a few exceptions to this in the past, but it's a general rule um, and it's not unusual for them to spend the day celebrating quietly at home with their family. Even the kids in the Royal family have been known to enjoy some down to earth simple pleasures on their birthdays. So while I'm sure Kate has borrowed from party pieces from Carol Middleton for the kids' special days, their celebrations are very kid appropriate. For Princess Charlotte's third birthday, she had a cake at nursery school with her friends Um, And one year, Prince George had a tea party with family at Ammer Hall. I do want to note that by recommending a low key celebration, I am not suggesting you skip out on recognizing your special day. You know, in the US, we have a very work centered culture. And sometimes that means we have the tendency to not take advantage of our paid time off that uh, we get from our employers. I mean, there have definitely been years where I've worked so much, I forgot to take my vacation time and lost out on the days. So definitely, if you have the time, be sure to schedule the day off on your birthday and take the day to relax and do things you want to do. Maybe it's sleep in and catch up on your favorite shows or go to brunch and get a pedicure. Or maybe it's a nice dinner with loved ones or a few close friends. I think it's important to celebrate any way you can, even small and even if you're alone. Don't skip your day. Treat yourself to your favorite dessert, a piece of clothing you've been eyeing for a while. You know, it only comes once a year, so be sure to make it special.
0: I have to ask you, since your birthday is this week, what are you doing for your birthday?
1: So this week, I sometimes I will go and and get dessert somewhere. Um, But this year, I am going to go back to Georgia and see some family for the weekend. And it'll be very low key. I think we're just having dinner at my parents' house.
0: Well, and next week, I would like to take you out to dinner safely. Of course, we talked about that offline but um I haven't seen Jessica in a long time because of COVID like just over
1: just over Zoom that's it
0: yeah and so birthdays call for seeing each other do you are you a big birthday person because I'm a really big birthday person are you are you into birthdays or do you just is it just another day
1: obviously not based off of what you're saying but yeah I I do like to recognize them I mean I have to go over the top um but you know definitely I definitely like to do something fun or something special for that day which actually leads me to my next point um you know in a typical year I may not go all out but on the milestone birthdays I do like to do something a little bit bigger um you know so my next point is to make sure your milestone birthdays are memorable Milestone birthdays may differ in other countries and cultures, but in the US and likely the UK, our big birthdays include 16, 18, 21, 30, 35, 40, 50, 60, and so on. Um, the royals have been known to celebrate milestone birthdays with big parties and fun activities. You know, so if we look at a couple of them, Prince Charles has especially celebrated big. He's had hundreds of guests attending some of his past parties. For Queen Elizabeth's 90th birthday, the palace commissioned Nadia Hussein, a winner of the show The Great British Bake Off, um, to make Her Majesty a beautiful three-tier cake. One Year the Queen also celebrated by attending a concert at the Royal Albert Hall with performers like Sting, Shawn Mendes, Shaggy, and Kylie Minogue. Um, and for Prince William's 13th birthday, Princess Diana actually surprised him with a cake that looked like two large female breasts. What? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So the head chef at the palace was quoted saying, I came into work that morning and went down to the refrigerator, opened the door, and I was confronted with the biggest pair of boobs I've ever (laughs) seen in my life. I have never (laughs) heard this story, and that is so Diana's sense of humor. Oh my God. So the thing to remember about this is that it's important to make your milestone birthday memorable, whether it's taking a trip, throwing a big party, going to a performance. There are tons of options and they don't have to break the bank, you know, but you only get so many milestone years. So I say make a memorable. Um, Rachel, do you have any uh, memorable birthdays from the past?
0: Probably the one that pops to mind first is my 29th birthday. So it wasn't actually on the exact Day of my birthday. My birthday is September 25th, but for Labor Day weekend, which was a couple weeks prior to that, we, a group of friends and I went to the Bahamas, and it was the first time that I'd ever been out of the country. And it was so magical. And speaking of milestone birthdays, I know you don't have a milestone birthday this year, but I do. So we need to get this figured out by September 25th, because obviously that. Is the priority around the globe this year? It is my 30th <laughs> birthday.
1: <laughs> I totally agree, and I am all down for it. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, probably one of my most memorable milestone birthdays was my 30th. Uh, my sister and one of my best friends and I went to New York City um, for my uh, birthday. Yeah, and so January yeah. is the time to go. You know, the weather is is cold, but because of that, it's an off season. So Mm -hmm. it really was super crowded, no lines. We got into all the restaurants we wanted to go to and it was a really fun time.
0: Love it. I know 29 is not a milestone year, but that was probably one of my most memorable birthday celebrations. I love taking a
1: good trip for the birthday. Yeah. And man, we are all due for a tropical vacation. Yes, we are. honey. Yes, (laughs) yes, yes. So my next recommendation I have for our listeners is to celebrate twice. You may know Queen Elizabeth has two birthdays, one being her actual date of birth, which is April 21st, 1926. And this is when she does her private celebration at home. So on this day, she likes to eat custard tart bre- uh, for breakfast in bed, um, you know, but she also does her official celebration for the public to enjoy every June, which is known as Trooping the Color. This is a tradition that dates back to King George II in 1748 and will likely continue on. Um, The reason for this is that June is the nicest time of the year in England to have an outdoor celebration and parade for the public. Um, And actually I I noted uh, Prince William's birthday, his actual birthday is in June. So I don't know, um, I guess he'll probably just do one birthday celebration. Yeah, I I don't know what he'll do with that because his birthday is June 21st. Yeah, so we'll see. Um, Her Majesty's big party features more than 1,400 soldiers, 200 horses, 400 musicians. There's a fly pass by the Royal Air Force and members of the Royal Family Watch from the balcony of Buckingham Palace. I'm sure our listeners have seen photos of this event every year on social media. It is quite the event Um, and I like that it's something that both the queen and the public can enjoy because I think parties um, really should be fun for guests too and and not just the person celebrating birthday. So if you want to celebrate at different times of the year, um, I recommend party on your date of birth and also take time to recognize and do something special on your half birthday. Um, It's a fun excuse to do something special halfway through the year. So another way um, to celebrate like a royal is to host a themed birthday party. You could go as extravagant or simple as you want here. So we can look at a few examples from the royal family and how they celebrate their birthdays. Um, The first is Princess Beatrice. For her 31st birthday, she had a super nice vegan dinner party, complete with a three-course plant-based meal for guests to enjoy. For Prince Harry's 30th birthday, he had a ski resort themed party a planned by Pippa Middleton, which included a snow machine, champagne, and specialty cocktails, and his favorite dessert. Hold on a minute. How did Pippa Middleton get involved in Harry's birthday? I mean,
0: I know obviously that they're all, I guess, family, but um,
1: okay, interesting. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Um, I- They've gotten to know each other, and maybe she um has gotten good at parties with party pieces. Well, so she does have a book. I'll plug this for Pippa called
0: Celebrate, and I just read it, and it's a really good book about planning parties. So this is kind oh, of wow. her thing. So, okay. um, worth worth the uh, worth the purchase. A lot of good recipes in there. I I just read it earlier this month.
1: Okay, well that makes sense. Why uh, maybe she was. Uh, planning his party because she knows a thing or two about it. She does. does. So Prince Charles had a lavish formal affair for his 70th birthday. Um, It was a private invitation-only party with live music, acrobat performers, and a comedian. Um, Some of the food served included salmon tartlet, seasonal vegetables, and ice cream bombs. May not be an obvious theme here, especially for royals, but I think any of us non-royals could have a formal affair and that would be considered a themed event for us. Um, His guest list at that party included the Crown Prince and Princess of Denmark, the King and Queen of Spain, the King and Queen of Belgium, the Queen of Jordan, the King and Queen of Norway, the Prince, uh, Prince Albert of Monaco, Lady Frederick, Windsor, Lady Gabriella Windsor, the Grand Duke and Duchess of Luxembourg, the Duke and Duchess of Kent, and the Prince and Princess of Kent. So that was quite the royal guest list. No kidding. (laughs) You could, um, you know, theme your party a laid-back casual sort of style, or you could go glam and make it dressy. Um, You could also take inspiration from the royals' performers and specialty cocktails and incorporate an element of entertainment into your special day. So maybe you create your own special birthday drink for others to enjoy at the party. Um, I've seen this done at a lot of weddings. A lot of times couples yeah. will have like a signature cocktail. Um, you know, you could also bring in like a magician for entertainment or someone um, could provide guests a fun activity with a little favor they could t- um, I and I think Rachel, you have too, have probably been to events where we've learned to make a floral arrangement and guests get to take home a vase of flowers when they leave. That's always a really fun party activity. Yes, that is fun. I enjoy that. Have you had any uh, really good themed parties that you've been to that you can remember? Okay. So, <laughs> what popped into my
0: mind when you asked that question was sorority swaps. Do you remember those? Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> where a sorority and a fraternity would have what we call the swap, just a party together. And it would always have a theme. Of course, it would always have a requisite t shirt that went with the theme. And it was, it was a good time. <laughs> there's, there's not a whole lot I remember about those parties because, hashtag.
1: <laughs> but from what I do remember, they were fun. Yeah. So if our listeners aren't familiar with fraternities and sororities um, here in the Southern United States, they're a pretty big deal at universities and they are all male and all female social organizations that also have an element of um, philanthropy involved with them too. And there's a lot of fundraisers, but you also have a lot of fun parties. Um, We definitely in my sorority, we had a few fun themed ones. Um, We always did a toga party every year, which is yeah, you know, so typical, but so, typical. <laughs> so fun, <laughs> so typical. So the next recommendation for our listeners um, is, out, is for those of you who are parents. Every year, Kensington Palace releases a photograph of the young royals George, Charlotte and Louis. Many of these photos have actually been taken by the Duchess of Cambridge herself. And you can do this with your own children. So each year, take a moment to snap a photo of your child, either something formally posed, or you can do a candid shot at their party and share it with friends and family. I think it would be a fun tradition actually to send like a postcard to family and friends with the photo printed on it and a personal little note on the back, you know, thanking them for any gifts that they've received or, um, you know, fun that you had together celebrating. You could include info about the child, like their favorite color, what they want to be when they grow up, any hobbies or accomplishments they've achieved that year. And I I just really love this idea. And I think I would totally do it if I had kids. I know a lot of parents do this on social media at the start of every school year, but I kind of like the birthday tradition. um, And I think it would be fun to save copies of postcards that you could look back on when they get older. That's a great idea. So my last tip is a fun one for our listeners, and that is to create your own gun salute at your birthday party. So every year, the Queen's birthday is marked by the British Army with a 41 gun salute in Hyde Park, a 21 gun salute in Windsor Great Park, and a 62 gun salute at the Tower of London. You can take inspiration from this and create your own bang up time with a toned down salute. you're probably wondering like what are you talking about how am i going to pull this off try popping a bottle of champagne for your guests or you could buy a box of sparklers and have guests gather outside and light sparklers together to celebrate or you could also buy some funfetti party poppers and let your guests kind of explode those if you don't mind cleaning up that mess um, but just a fun uh, more realistic way to have your own gun salute um, in honor of your birthday like her majesty So that is all I have for royal birthday party inspiration. Um, Any thoughts on this, Rachel? Did you, was there anything that stuck out to you that was your favorite?
0: Okay. Yes, I have thoughts. First of all, this was fantastic content. Did I learn anything new? Yes, I learned that Diana got William a boob cake, (laughs) which is hilarious. And I am absolutely going to require my loved ones to give me a 21 or 41 gun salute with a gun or something. I don't know if we could pop 41 champagne bottles, but I want a gun salute for my birthday from now on. So consider yourself notified loved ones that are listening to this podcast.
1: I think that might've been my favorite too. I think um, I could totally invest in uh 41 sparklers every year for my birthday or yes. Like <laughs> yes oh my gosh
0: we're gonna light the place on fire with 41 sparklers but <laughs> we'll have fun doing it that's hilarious that's that was great Jess all right Mino your turn it's all you awesome so time for the royal rundown we have a pretty significant one this week Kate is back to work in 2021 appearing alongside William in the Cambridge's first joint appearance of the year on January 13th, thanking frontline workers on a video call. She looked fantastic. She always does. We always get great little glimpses inside their homes from these Zooms. And on this one, there is an adorable photo in the background of Prince George. I really can't wait to see what Kate does in 2021. Do you have
1: Any predictions, Jessica? Well, you know, I think uh, we'll continue to see a focus on recognizing key workers as we kind of navigate the direction of the pandemic and vaccine distribution. Um, I also think we'll probably see more from her five big questions project. And I kind of wonder if she'll focus specifically on parenting during the pandemic. I think all of that kind of ties in together with her work and, and is very relevant to what's going on right now. Um, But on a lighter note, I would love to see more of Kate and William gardening with their kids. I think that would be great content this spring.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: I think I have a feeling that 2021 is going to be a big year
0: for Kate. Kate has a milestone birthday in January of 2022. So if she's anything like me, I kind of always get reflective before a milestone birthday and what do I want to do? What, you know, obviously Kate is doing great things with her life, so she doesn't have to worry about that. But, you know, am I in the place I want to be in? And so I expect this for that and many other reasons to be a big year for her. So um, speaking of the Cambridges, William has a new documentary out on Discovery Plus called Prince William, A Planet for Us All. I have not had a chance to watch it yet. Have you watched it yet?
1: No, I haven't.
0: I'm going to watch it. I just need to find a way to get access to it. The film follows William over the course of two years doing conservation work everywhere from the UK to Africa and Asia. And in addition to talking about his immense work with the natural world, William apparently also reveals that both George and Charlotte are quote unquote cheeky, which, (laughs) what is that? I'm going to sound like such a non-Anglophile, but what does that mean? Like just that they're like,
1: Cheeky sassy. is sort of like um, like, a little bit rude in a good-hearted way. Like uh-huh. like sassy? Yeah, like sassy.
0: Okay, well, I think he was asked which one is more cheeky, George or Charlotte, and he said they're both equally cheeky. No <laughs> well, my- we've seen Charlotte be cheeky for oh sure. Oh, my gosh. Char- <laughs> I, now that I know what cheeky is, Charlotte is good. <laughs> so... In honor of Martin Luther King Jr. Day here in the US, which was yesterday, we are recording this on January 19th, Harry and Megan sent a letter and donated meal boxes to veterans that volunteered with The Mission Continues. Their letter said, quote, in honor of this day of service and in recognition of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and all that he stood for, we want to send our thanks and gratitude to the team at The Mission Continues. We're so proud of all the work you're doing to support your community and hope you'll enjoy this small token of our appreciation. Thank you for your service today and every day. We look forward to joining you soon. Stay safe and keep up the great work. So not to negate the great gesture of the Sussexes, but in other Harry news, I have heard reports from of all people, Rob Lowe, that Harry might be sporting a ponytail that's very California of him. And Rob apparently saw Harry
1: at a stoplight in their neighborhood. So I, I heard, heard this pictures. too. And I just don't know if I believe it. I, I mean,
0: I have I, I, pictures or it didn't happen is what I'm saying. So
1: I, I need photographic proof of this. So no, I was, would like to know what kind of scrunchie he uses. Oh, gosh. Does he use it? A- <laughs> Do men
0: wear scrunchies or do they just like, what do they, he's not wearing a scrunchie Jessica. he's, he's got a ponytail holder, a rubber band or he, well, not a rubber band. He's the Duke of Sussex. They don't do rubber bands in their hair, but um, he's, uh, gosh, I can't, I can't even believe that. Pictures are, it didn't happen. Right. Um, Now that they're vaccinated, I've read reports this week that the queen and Philip intend to move back to Buckingham palace ahead of trooping the color which as Jessica said earlier in the episode is in June. This could obviously still be canceled because of COVID, but as of this recording on January 19th, it has not been canceled. However, the Queens garden parties already have been canceled for 2021. So June is set to be a big month. We've got Trooping the Color. We've got Phillip's 100th birthday and the celebrations that go along with that and the reported return of Harry and Meghan to the UK to celebrate with him. So I pray COVID is in a better place by then because the UK is on lockdown right now. So I've also read reports this week, this excites me greatly that the Cambridges are making plans to visit Harry, Meghan and Archie in California at some point in 2021. So hopefully everyone can get vaccinated, COVID can go by the wayside and all of this can happen.
1: Yeah, I would really love to see what they do for Phillips' 100. I know, I know, and and how often? I mean, I know that in that family they
0: live a long time. The Queen's mother, I believe, lived to be 102. But how often do we see someone turn a hundred? You know, and, I know. and so, especially I, in that in that role. Yeah, and I want that for him. I I think that that could be a great event to unify everyone again. So, here's hoping. So. We mentioned last week on the podcast that Camilla is starting a book club, The Duchess of Cornwall's Reading Room. And last Friday, the book club shared four new titles, which are, drumroll please, The Mirror and the Light by Hilary Mantle, Where the Crawdads Sing by Delia Owens, Restless by William Boyd, and finally The Architect's Apprentice by, I'm going to mispronounce this, Elif Shafak. I butchered that I'm sure. So I am not much of a fiction reader. I read probably 95% nonfiction but I have read Where the Crawdads Sing and I enjoyed it once I got into it. It took, I will be honest with you listeners it took me about 50 or so pages to get into Where the Crawdads Sing but once I got into it, I couldn't put it down. I also hear that that is being made into a movie. So it's, and it's a great book. So Jessica, have you read any of these titles and will you be reading
1: those that you have not read? So I haven't read any of these, but I have seen Where the Crawdads Sing on quite a few people's reading lists and I've seen some book clubs that have read it. Um, but yeah, I mean, gosh, I feel like um, her list of books to read this year is just growing rapidly. All of these um, sound interesting and and mm-hmm. I think there's, <laughs> there'll be a lot of books coming our way as all
0: of the listeners of our podcast know I'm a big library proponent and so I need to put the three books that I've not yet read on my list of hold items at the library which by the way I have maxed out apparently you can only hold 50 books at a time which is something I found <laughs> out this weekend <laughs> and, and you how much I'm reading <laughs> what you maxed out 50. Yes, I maxed out the amount of holds that I can have. So (laughs) that's how much I like to read and how much I like to support my local library. So I love and agree with this quote by the Duchess of Cornwall. Quote, to me, reading is a great adventure. I've loved it since I was very small and I'd love everybody else to enjoy it as much as I do. You can escape and you can travel and you can laugh and you can cry. There's every kind of emotion that humans experience in a book and I feel the same way. I have been checking out a lot of travel books from the library since obviously I can't travel right now and that is transporting me all over the world. So I am all for this. So speaking of books, (laughs) this was the most, maybe other than the ponytail, other than Harry's ponytail, this was maybe the most random news of the week. Maybe a future addition to The Reading Room will be a forthcoming book by none other than Sarah Ferguson, Fergie, a work of historical fiction called Her Heart for a Compass, which is inspired by the life of her great-great-aunt, Lady Margaret Montague Douglas Scott. The book is set to be released on August 3rd of this year, and from the book's description, this is, quote, An immersive historical saga that sweeps the reader from the drawing rooms of victorious courts and the grand country houses of Scotland and Ireland to the slums of London and the mercantile bustle of 1870s New York. Rich in historical detail and grounded in extensive research, the novel offers a compelling look at Victorian England in the wake of Prince Albert's death and the fascinating journey of a woman born into the higher echelons of society, this is still from the book description by the way, who desires, this is a very long sentence, a very long run-on sentence, who desires to break the mold, follow her internal compass, her heart, and discover her reason? which I'm mispronouncing it's a it's French Um, falling in love along the way end quote that was a very long sentence so Fergie has in the past written several children's books and some nonfiction, but this is her first work of fiction and Jessica I am dying to hear your thoughts on this
1: So I, um, I watched her little clip on Instagram a couple of times. And I mean, she is just really into the theatrics uh, between that and, you know, we, we mentioned she's got her little page where she reads children's books um, every afternoon. So, I mean, honestly, I'm not really surprised that she has this book coming out, but um, I'm definitely intrigued. I, I mean, I honestly think I want to read this ahead of anything on the Duchess of Cornwall's list. Well, <laughs> oh, I'm going to be reading this book. I don't really read fiction, but I will be reading
0: this book and I'll probably even be purchasing this book because I want to support
1: Fergie. So, uh,
0: well, was interesting.
1: yeah, I mean, it. the description of it sort of sounds like a book I might have read in my childhood almost like it I'm sure the theme is very adult but the description does not really give me adult vibes um but I did note it's uh it's co-written with a lady named Marguerite Kai or or Kay I'm not sure how you say that and she's a historical romance author um so I don't know how big of a part she had in this and and how big of a part Fergie had but it was a joint effort it sounds like
0: yeah I think when celebrities and that's a loose term I mean I consider Fergie a celebrity even though she well she's not really royal anymore but she you know she's royally adjacent I think that this is probably her idea and she did a lot of the ideating but I bet that the other woman did most of the writing so yeah that's what i was
1: thinking good
0: for you know what hey good for Fergie for continuing to career pivot and innovate and she has said this week that she loved bridgerton which i've seen but jessica hasn't seen yet you got to get on that jessica it's really good and she said she loved it so much she watched it twice and this plot kind of sounds a little bit bridgerton-ish so um i'm excited to read it so random news so speaking of fergie it has been confirmed that her youngest daughter Eugenie and husband Jack Brooksbank have moved back into the Royal Lodge with Fergie and strangely enough Fergie's ex-husband Prince Andrew they have cohabitated there together for years and years and years even though they've been divorced for a long time and this is after only living in Frogmore Cottage for six weeks so it is reported that Eugenie and Jack returned to the Royal Lodge for Christmas and because of the lockdown in the UK have just decided to go ahead and stay there until after the birth of their first child, which it has also been confirmed that Eugenie is due to give birth to her first child in mid-February, so it's coming up quickly. So it seems the door is still open for them to return to Frogmore after COVID passes or after they adjust to life with a new baby. So sounds like the door isn't totally closed, but they are at the Royal Lodge for the time being. So any thoughts? That's the end of the Royal Rundown. So any thoughts, Jessica, on
1: anything that was discussed that you're just dying to say? I mean, you know, I think it makes sense now why, you know, there was so much speculation on why they were moving out of Frogmore Cottage and um, definitely seeing sort of what their plans are now with the baby and with lockdown restrictions in the UK and the holidays It you know, I totally understand why they may be temporarily at, um, you know, with their parents and, and, you know, with a new baby, you want as much help as you can get. So I kind of feel like they'll move back into Frogmore Cottage after a couple of months.
0: Yeah, I do too. It makes sense. I mean, you know, it's, it's a real, they're on a real lockdown in the UK. And so it makes sense that they, want to be with her parents and not deprive them of the first few months of this baby's life so it that that report actually made me feel a lot better and made a whole lot of sense so yes, segment three final segment of the day first of all I can't kick this segment off without we're going to recognize a birthday girl whose birthday is actually today if you're listening to this on january 20th when this episode drops it is sophie countess of wessex's birthday but on friday as we've alluded to in the podcast it's my lovely co-host jessica's (laughs) birthday so happy 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 birthday jessica i love you and many happy returns. So I had to say that before we went into Sophie. So for our third and final segment of the day, we celebrate the birthday of Sophie Countess of Wessex who turns 56 on January 20th. Sophie might kind of fly under the radar, but the wife of Prince Edward, the queen's youngest is one of the hardest working royals there is. So here is just a little more about her. So, Sophie Countess of Wessex is one of the Queen's absolute favorite family members, so much so that Sophie even calls her majesty mama as though she was a biological child. Sophie has been married to Edward, the Queen's fourth and youngest child since 1999. It is the only first marriage of the Queen's four children to not end in divorce. Sophie is the stable, hardworking, dependable backbone of the family, preferring to put her nose to the grindstone and though very much a full-time working royal remain out of the press. She's drama free and someone the queen can not only count on but really truly enjoys. Sophie is actually one of my favorite royals. She first caught my attention back in the 90s because back then she just had this deeply striking resemblance to Diana. If you watch video of her Wedding in 1999, which of course was only two years after we lost Diana, it's almost eerie how much she looks like Diana. She is beautiful and blonde and fashion forward, and her marriage to Edward is seemingly rock solid. She was a bit of an older bride, not marrying until she was 34, which is the age that I am and Jessica is about to be. And maybe because of this, she's just always really demonstrated a maturity. That I look up to. Contrast that to Diana, who, as we all know, got married when she was barely 20. So 34 was quite an old royal bride for that generation. So here are some fast facts about the birthday girl. She and Edward met for the first time in 1987. He was actually dating a friend of hers, and they didn't meet again until six years later in 1993 at a charity event. They began dating soon afterwards, and after a six-year courtship, their engagement was announced on January 6th, 1999, and they married that June 19th at St. George's Chapel at Windsor Castle, where Harry and Meghan would marry 19 years later. She and Edward have two children, Lady Louise Windsor, who is 17, and James Viscount Severn, who is 13. We've mentioned this on the podcast before. I think it was last week. No, it wasn't last week. It was, at some point we've mentioned this, but before Louise was born in 2003, Sophie suffered from an ectopic pregnancy in 2001, and when she gave birth to Louise two years later, it was prematurely, as Sophie had a sudden placental abruption that could have killed them both. She underwent an emergency C-section, and thankfully, Louise was a healthy baby. The family lives at Bagshot Park, which is about 10 miles south of Windsor. And Sophie is an HRH and is patron of over 70 charities and organizations. She also goes on hundreds of engagements annually and has a keen interest in provisions for people with disabilities and children. She also does ample work for the prevention of blindness in developing countries and agriculture and has a keen interest in fashion. She is considered one of the most stylish members of the family. She was born Sophie Helen Reese Jones in Oxford the baby of the family and the only girl. Her family was very working class. And I love that about her. By the way, her maiden name is Reese Jones. That's no relation to Trevor Reese Jones, who was the bodyguard in Diana's car accident and the only survivor of that accident. I looked that up because I thought, oh my gosh, what if they're related, but they're not. Hmm. Her career was in public relations and she owned her own PR firm for five years. And in fact, immediately after marrying Edward, she continued to work in PR and only became a full-time working royal in 2003, four years into her marriage, which I think is cool. Sophie and the queen hit it off right after Sophie and Edward started dating, so much so that even prior to their marriage, Sophie lived in the royal apartments at Buckingham Palace. And Sophie, as I said earlier, still remains one of the queen's closest relatives to this day. So unlike Edward's siblings who all married in very large weddings, Edward and Sophie specifically requested that their wedding not be a state occasion. Called the People's Wedding, it was mostly a family affair, but a few celebrities snuck in like John Travolta and Harry Connick Jr. Edward and Sophie's wedding was the first royal wedding I ever watched. I was off from school because it was the summer in between my sixth and seventh grade years when it happened. And Edward, like William after him, you can watch this on YouTube, struggled to get the ring on Sophie's finger. It was a relatively simple affair compared to say Charles and Diana's wedding, but it was absolutely lovely. So seriously, go take a watch sometime. It's on YouTube. I actually watched it a few months ago when I was binging all of the royal weddings um, in quarantine. So Edward and Sophie, honeymooned at Balmoral, actually. So I anticipate us seeing quite a bit of the Countess of Wessex in the coming year. I'm thankful for it. I adore her. She's been one of my favorite royals for a long time, and hopefully soon she'll get the recognition that she's always deserved, but has never sought out. So happy birthday, Sophie. She is truly one of my favorites. So any thoughts, Jessica, before we wrap up?
1: Well, I was just sitting here while you were talking, and I was checking out side-by-side photos of Sophie Wessex and Princess Diana, and you are totally right. There yeah, is, a... it, you know, and I've seen both of them before, but I I didn't really put the connection together. But when you look at them side-by-side, there is a striking resemblance.
0: Yeah, they have the same, roughly the same haircut. And there are moments where I would look at Sophie in the 90s, and it, it was very, especially- right after diana died it was very eerie because she looks like she could be her sister so um that's episode eight for you my friends thank you so much for tuning in to podcast royal follow us on instagram at podcast royal email us at hello podcast royal at gmail.com and don't forget to subscribe rate and review our podcast we will see all of you lovely people next week Bye. bye